0: You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, good morning, Radiant Church. So good to see all of you here this morning. And for you watching online, thank you for watching. Make sure you click that like button, comment, and share the live stream on your newsfeed. That would help us out greatly. Well, this morning, listen, I want to give you an update of our Heart for the House campaign. You can put that slide up, Beth. We are at $18,362. It's not bad. We're doing pretty well. Yeah, you can clap your hands. Our goal is um, $35,000. Now, remember, this is going to um, a new roof, which is very, very expensive, unfortunately. But it's going to a new roof, which, by the way, they will begin... The first week of November or the second week of November, um, depending on weather, depending on the rain. So if you don't mind praying for a little, just very little rain in the next couple of weeks, that would be great. This also goes to, or we're also doing um, some renovations in the men's bathrooms. We're going to go ahead and get new air conditioners in the kids' wing, and the kids' rooms. And we've already got that scheduled out for May of next year, you guys know how it is right now, right? It's crazy. You can't get anything right now, and so we had to schedule that out like you know, nine months ahead of time. But that's, Lord willing, that's going to happen next May, and then we're going to make some uh, some updates to our video for our live stream. We're going to get a mobile unit now. A mobile unit. Let me just describe this for you really quickly. All it does is it allows one of our team members to have a camera to actually be wirelessly going all throughout. The building, through the stage, and during worship, they're going to capture some more dynamic shots, and that really kind of makes it feel, makes you feel, if you're watching, like you're in the room, and so we're excited to, to make that upgrade, and you guys know how I feel about uh, live stream, of, about online church, and here's how I feel, just in case you don't know it. My conviction is we need to be together, in the flesh, okay? We gotta, that's my conviction. That's first and foremost. Online church is awesome. It's a supplement, it's not the meal, right? It's a, You can't live off of it. It's a supplement. So, But here's what we know about, in our context, about live stream, about Video Church. Here's what I've heard over and over and over and over again from people. They say this to me all the time. I watched before I came. I watched before I came. I watched before I came. So what that's telling us is this, and we should all know this, But live stream, our video content is a front door, so to speak, for people to come into the church. And everything is going that direction anyways, and we don't want to be behind the game when it comes to that. And so that's why we're constantly trying to get better at things and upgrade some of our equipment and continually move forward. Uh, It is our intent, our purpose to share the gospel, not just here in one little city, but throughout the ends of the earth. And that is what God has placed Uh, On our hearts as a mission here for Radiant Church. So let me just say, listen, thank you for your faithful generosity. If you haven't given, we're going to close down the account October thirty first, which is a a week from now. So uh, we would love for you to give. If you haven't given uh, yet, if you're not tithing, (laughs) you better start tithing because we need that too as well. And if you want to write a check for twenty grand, that's what we need. That would be fantastic. Okay, (laughs) we'll take that. uh, Bless the Lord, and that will be amazing. But let me just say. Thank you. Let me just say this. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithful generosity to the work of the Lord at this house. It makes such a difference, you guys. Uh, uh, Yeah, you can clap your hands for that. Amen. Awesome. Well, today we are in part two, of a message series that we just began last week. We're calling it the Book of Acts, of course, and it's entitled The Spirit Empowered church. And we are looking at the church in motion, the early church, the church full of the power and the presence of God. Of course, the church led by the Holy Spirit. And if you've ever read Acts, it's an incredible book. But here's one of the things that we discover in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, we discover that at times things went miraculously well, right? Like signs, wonders, healings. And that was amazing. And and then there were other times where things didn't go so well, and there were, there was sin, there was there was mess, there was conflict, there was division, there was death. Okay, uh, there was heartache. But through all of that, what we see in Acts is this: we see the faithfulness of God to His church. Amen. Right? The faithfulness of God to His church. Let me just tell you this: that Christ is faithful to His church. Christ is faithful to his church. And what he started some 2,000 years ago, he continues on today in us. Isn't that amazing? We are connected to the early church. In other words, their story is our story, and our story is a little bit of their story, and and vice versa, right? We share in their stories because we're all connected. We're one body, and it's a pretty incredible heritage that we share. And I, I have a Basically, I, I told you this last week, but I have three prayer requests for this series, three prayers, three hopes. And number one, it's this. My number one prayer is this. I pray that God would reignite our hearts for the local church, reignite a passion in our hearts for the church, for the local gathering for being together. I know it's not because of online church. we, we, We can watch 10 preachers. You can listen to 40 podcasts a week, and maybe it's preferable. And hey, I want to listen to someone who's way better than Marco. I get it, right? So you're going to do all that. and You're going to YouTube yourself to death. But listen, I want the Spirit of God to reignite a passion in your heart for the local gathering. Yes, the church is imperfect, Yes, the church has weaknesses. Yes, the bride has made mistakes. But can I just tell you this? Can I just remind you this? That Jesus hasn't given up on his bride, and neither should we. Jesus hasn't given up on his bride, and neither should we. Number two, my second prayer is this, is that we would become a people group more dependent, more reliant on the Holy Spirit that we would be a people who would walk by the spirit according to what the Apostle Paul tells us to I'm going to talk a little bit about what that looks like looks like practically in today's message and then number three my third prayer is this is that we would learn how to continue persevere carry on as the church today this day and age that Christ has called us to because we know that the world around us is falling apart, right? It's just a fire everywhere. We see that, just turn on the news. And even though so, we need to learn how to be a church that carries on, that that perseveres in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of a dark and hopeless world. And this morning, we're going to pick things up right after the ascension. Where Jesus ascends into heaven, and I spoke about that last week. In fact, I spent most of the sermon just talking about the ascension, about Jesus going up. And all of a sudden, this local ministry becomes global. Now, all of a sudden, we have access to him. Every person across the globe, no matter where you're at, has access to Jesus in the presence of God. And we see that. That happens Because of the ascension, Jesus going up into heaven. And Jesus gives his disciples this command. He wanted them to to stay in Jerusalem because he's having them wait for the promise of his father. What is that promise? That promise we know is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus says in Acts 1 verse 8. He says this, But you will receive the disciples, he's talking to them, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, this morning, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, and what I want to do is we're going to hang out in three verses today, all right? Just three verses, verse 12, verse 13, and verse 14. If you have a Bible, I would love for you to join me. If not, you can have, or you can take a look at the screen behind me. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. It says this, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. There's 11 of them there, by the way. They all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Let's take a few moments. Let's pray together before we dive into the rest of Scripture. Um, let me just say this really quick before we begin. If you don't know this, let me inform you. I want us to pray collectively right now. Um, In Haiti, there were 17 Christians that were kidnapped by a gang. And uh, the ransom right now is $1 million per person. So that's $17 million they are demanding. If you don't know the story in Haiti, things are just kind of falling apart out there. And many gangs have taken over different regions and territories. And so this particular group of 17 Christians, I think there's five children, the youngest being two years old. This is a violent gang. And so uh, we are the church, right? So those Christians, right? That's our family. Amen? Amen. That's our our family. So they're they're our brothers and they're our sisters. And we want to pray for them. We also want to pray for those gang members that they know Jesus. So can we do that right now? Let's just spend a few moments. Let's pray for that situation. Uh, Let's lift that up to the Lord. God, we love you. And uh, right now, we just come collectively to you, God, corporately as the body. God, we lift up our voices and our hearts, God, and we cry out, Lord, for these 17 brothers and sisters of ours who are uh, held captive, Lord. God, I pray that you might just encourage them right now. I can't imagine that situation. God, I pray that you uh, would just give them your peace a peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, uh, would you give them your hope? God, I pray your presence would be tangible to that group in such a real and strong way, God. Lord, we pray ultimately that they would find freedom and that all of their lives would be uh, saved, God. Lord, we also pray for this gang. Lord, we pray, God, that in that midst of that That group of 17 Christians, God, we pray, God, that you would move so mightily that there would be signs and wonders. God, that scales would fall off their eyes. That those who were blind would now begin to see. Those who were in bondage to sin and violence would now say that they are a slave of Jesus. Those who were held captive Held captive by their sin would find freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God, we pray, God, that there'd be such repentance in that gang. The entire gang would dismantle. God, that they would lay their AK-47s down, machine guns, whatever they have, weapons down. They would lay those weapons down and let these Christians go free. And God, that that would stir up such revival in that nation, God. they've never seen before. God, you often operate in the most darkest places in the world. God, thank you that David says no matter where we go, you are there with us. So God, we pray your hand and your protection over these Christians, God, and we pray that your kingdom come there in Haiti as it is in heaven. God, open our eyes this morning, unlock deaf ears and soften hardened hearts. God, I pray that men and women would turn to you in repentance today. Turn away from sin and turn to Jesus as Savior and Lord. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what do we see the disciples doing here in this context, in these just these few verses? What are they? What are they doing as they are awaiting the promise of the Father, awaiting the Holy Spirit? What we see here, according to the text, is that they have returned or are returning to Jerusalem. And I want to just offer you two observations from this text for the next several moments. And I I want us to examine this just a bit closely. But the first thing, I'm going to lay it out on the table here, the first thing that we see Is this very, very, very obvious? The disciples did the last thing Jesus told them to do. Okay, this is important. I know it doesn't sound important, okay, but it is. The disciples did the last thing Jesus told them to do. Let's look at verse number 12 once again. It says this Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from Jerusalem the city, okay? So the disciples, they're going back to Jerusalem, and again, I know it doesn't seem like a big deal to us. I know it doesn't feel important. I know that it doesn't seem significant, but it really is important. It's really critical. Why? Because they're doing the last thing Jesus told them to do. Let me ask you a question. What do you do in the land of in-between? I don't know if you know what that is. Some of you know what the land of in-between is. The land of in-between is what I call it anyways. The land of in-between is where you're in one season of your life, and you can peek around the corner, and you can see the next season, but you're not quite there yet. You know a little bit what's ahead, but there's still a lot of sort of ambiguity of what's to come, and you're seeking the Lord. You're trying to figure things out, and you know there's a next season. You, You know there's a promise Awaiting you, but but you're not quite sure what that's gonna look like, how the pieces are going to fall in place. And so you're seeking God, you know, you're trying to figure out, make your way through this journey that we call life. What do you do in the land of in between? Let me just give you some examples. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a high school student and you're gonna graduate soon. Maybe you're a college student and you'll soon be graduating and, and you're thinking about your future. You're thinking about a career. You're thinking about, am I going to go to school, trade school? What's it going to look like? And, and you're not really sure. And so you're trying to figure out, you know, what that next step is. What does your next look like? Maybe you're in the middle of your career, and, and you're thinking to yourself, or you're sensing there's a, there's a career change that you have, or God has, has placed that on your heart, a career change soon. Again, you don't quite know what that's going to be, right? Maybe it's just a new building. Maybe it's um, a a, a different vocation. It could be, right? But you're seeking God for wisdom. You're trying to figure out. You know there's a next. You're just not really sure what that looks like. This week, I had coffee with a young man at our church. Really cool story. And uh, this young man, uh, early 20s, God has placed missions on his heart, And so much so that he graduated from Bible college, and he's already working with a a missions organization. And God has placed a nation on his heart, and that is uh, Japan. And so, Lord willing, in 12 to 18 months, he will be moving to Japan. It's pretty exciting, pretty incredible. Uh, So many people don't know Jesus in Japan, and God has placed it on his heart to go there and sort of reach that people group. Now he's seeking the Lord. He's trying to figure out what's next. He's trying to kind of get prepared for that. He doesn't know, again, how all the pieces will come together. But, you know, he's taking that walk of faith to see what is next, the land of in-between. I've told you about uh, my season after graduating seminary, about um, my wife and I. We, we weren't sure what we were going to do. And to be honest with you, starting a new church was the last thing that we wanted to do. It was the last thing on our mind, um, It just seemed impossible. It seemed way too intimidating. It seemed uh, just crazy. It just seemed crazy, I'll be honest with you. Um, And so we were waiting for what God was going to reveal to us. We were in the land of in-between. What do we do during those times, those seasons of in-between? There's waiting. There's expectation. There's a little bit of excitement. But uh, depending on your situation, there might be apprehension as well. It just depends, right? There might be some apprehension. You know, so often in life, what I've discovered, what I've seen is that when we're sort of waiting for that next step, God so often calls us to complete the task or do the last thing that we were doing or the last thing that he told us to do. God wants us to complete the last thing that he told us to do, right? He wants us to complete The season that we were in, he wants us to complete that before we can step into the new season. And it doesn't sound earth-shattering. Most of the time, it's mundane. Most of the time, it's boring. Most of the time, it's not exciting. Most of the time, it doesn't seem significant. But yet, God is asking us to do that very thing. To simply do the last thing he told us to do. We see this in Different stories throughout the Scripture, and I just want to highlight just just a couple of those stories of sort of God moving through the mundane, the ordinary, the everyday things in our lives. We see it in in Exodus. We see it with Moses. Remember Moses? God said, "Moses, to Moses, I want you to liberate, to free Israel from Pharaoh, from the Egyptians." And Moses is unsure of himself. He's he he's he's got a lot of insecurity. He lacks confidence, and he's like. You know, Lord, who's, who's going to believe me? Is anyone going to really believe me? I mean, is, is anyone going to listen to me? Who's going to take me seriously? I mean, come on, God, am I the guy for this assignment? This seems impossible. Are you sure you're picking the right guy for this monumental assignment? And then what we see is in Exodus chapter 4, the Lord comes to, to Moses and says, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses says, well, it's a, it's a staff. And he says, well, okay. Get the staff out, throw it on the ground. And, of course, a lot of us know this story. The staff becomes a serpent. This miraculous thing happens, and it's this sign. He's trying to tell Moses, look, I'm going to do the ordinary. I'm going to take the ordinary, the everyday, the practical, the mundane, the boring things of your life, and I'm going to do the miraculous through them. It's a sign for Moses to have confidence that God will work miracles through his everyday obedience. We see this in John chapter two with the wedding at Cana. There's a feast, there's a wedding, and of course they run out of wine, and that's a bummer for most of the people there, right? And so Jesus's mother uh, asks Jesus to step in, and then she tells the servants, "Do whatever the Lord has you to do." And so Jesus calls the servants to take these six large storage containers. I think they're made out of stone, and the he has them fill them with water, and then they take it to the master of the feast, the guy who's sort of putting the whole thing on, and by the time it reaches the master of the feast, the, the, this water has turned to wine. Now, I suppose Jesus could make wine out of anything, right? He could make wine appear out of nowhere, out of thin air, but what does he do? He chooses to use everyday, normal people. And things like water, right? Which is an everyday thing that all of us, thank God, we have access to. To take water and turn it into wine. Now, in the same way, listen, God wants to continue working in our lives. Sometimes we give up because we're frustrated. Sometimes we kind of reach the end of ourselves and we think, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering this? Why aren't you doing this? What am I supposed to do now? What is the next step? I thought you would do this by now, so forth, and so on. Many times, God is asking us to simply take the next step that's in front of us, the next practical, mundane, boring thing. Now, let me give you just a few examples. Let me flesh this out. Maybe you're here, and you're experiencing some problems in your marriage, right? However... There's a solution already in front of you. God has placed the pastor in in your path. God has given you a therapist. God has helped you with a counselor. But what? You're refusing to take that next step. It's right in front of you. But you're unwilling to take it. Maybe you're looking for a new job. It's a career change, right? The great resignation, you guys have heard of that. Some 25 million people, I think it is, quit their jobs this past year. You're looking for a new career, Well, you're praying to God. God, show me, right? God, show me. And that's a great prayer, by the way. Continue praying that prayer. But let me just ask you a question to rewind just a bit more. Have you worked on your resume, right? Have you checked online? Have you reached out to your connections? Have you taken what? The next practical step that's in front of you, right? Are you looking to move? You're looking for a a different house, a new neighborhood. God, I want to move. God, show me where I'm going to go. God, show me this house. And we want, you know, we want this many bedrooms and this many bathrooms. God, would you show up? Let me just tell you or ask you, have you reached out to a realtor yet? Have you looked online? Have you figured out your budget? Have you figured out what neighborhood you want? Do you know what kind of house you're looking for? Have you taken any of those practical steps that God has asked you that? place them right in front of you. Let me just tell you, my wife is so good at redirecting me. She knows me so well. She always redirects me. When I get all, you know what I mean, just anxious, and I'm huffing and puffing about some situation, you know what I mean? I'm anxious about the future. I'm frustrated about a particular situation in the church or whatever it is, and my wife will always say, honey, have you called him, though? I'm like, well, no. Well, why don't you call him first? Yes, pray, but reach out to him. Oh, oh. oh all right, I guess. Yeah. I'll be upset about something. Babe, babe, have you sent the email to him, though? What? No. Send the email, honey, and pray. All right, she redirects me to take the next practical step, and we all do this. We get huffy, puffy, we get worked up about a situation, and I I get it. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. And God's like, hey, listen, what's right in front of you? What's the next practical thing to do? And so often, I think uh, when it comes to being led by the Holy Spirit, we overcomplicate this, right? We overcomplicate this. We want something different, right? But God's asking us to do what's right in front of us. I'll say it this way. We do the ordinary and God does the extraordinary. We do the natural, and we watch God do the supernatural, right? right? God's asking us to take the next step that's right in front of us. Did you know this? Did you know that God is interested in partnering with us? Isn't that amazing? That's so amazing. He's interested in partnering with us, that we have a part to play in this whole thing. We have a part to play in this, right? Right? And so often it's just the mundane, the ordinary, the practical steps that we're supposed to take. And so often we just do those practical, simple things. And guess what? God illuminates, God shows us the next thing in front of us. But you know what we want? This is what so often Christians want. And I get it, I get it. We want God to write it in the sky, we want God to give us a sign. God, I want you to send me a sign from heaven. I just want to know, is this right? God, I just, I just need to know, right? We want God. We want the burning bush, don't we? Just, whoosh, whoosh, what? I saw a burning bush. Pastor Michael, in my yard. It's the Lord. And I'll be like, Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, burning bush. That sounds pretty legit to me. But, that happens occasionally, but. So often it doesn't happen like that. You know how it happens? It happens with us what? Taking the next sort of practical step in our lives. Just take, just doing what God has put in front of us. You know what I've discovered sometimes when people say, and let me just say this. You know, how do I feel about this? I don't know. I go back and forth. You know, sometimes people say I'm praying for a sign. And I'm like, you know, I kind of get that, but I kind of don't get that. And I kind of think what you should rather do is open up God's word and just obey what's already there. I'm praying for a sign, Pastor Marco. That's awesome. Like, keep going. But I want you to just open up God's word and just start obeying what's already there. Because perhaps you're praying and you're asking, you're just not obeying what he's already asked you to do. Come on, someone said. I like that one. Right? So often, listen, we are asking God for a miracle, for a sign, for him to write it in the sky. Do I marry him or what? Right? And God was like, why don't you go read the Bible, seek some wise counsel, and then I'll show you from there. Right? Do signs happen? I think, I believe that they do, but I think so often we get so caught up in this big thing. And can I just tell you that for most of my Christian life, God has led me through the mundane, practical, everyday things. And when I call Pastor Lee, or whoever it is I'm trying to call, I talk to them, and then they give me the answer, and it's the Lord providing for me, and then another door opens, and then another door opens. I send the email to someone, and then another door opens. I reach out to her, another door opens, and what? God begins to show me where to go. He's leading me by his Holy Spirit. The second thing that we see in this text, of course, is that the disciples devoted themselves to prayer, right? They devoted themselves to prayer. Look at verse number 14 once again with me. It says this, they all joined together constantly. That's a key word there. Constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers did you know that some 31 times in the new testament or I should actually let me take that back some 31 times in acts it mentions the disciples or the church praying look it up yourself constantly it's citing the disciples the people of god the church praying. And therefore, what do we see? We see God moving. We see God working in everyday situations within the church, outside of the church, in evangelism, right, in everyday relationships. You know, occasionally I I, I see or I hear people, and you've probably heard this, right? Um, People ask me, you know, Marco, why, why aren't we seeing signs and wonders and miracles and healings like they did in Acts, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's a great question. I understand what you're saying. Like, hey, I want to see miracles. I want to see signs. I want to see wonders. And I'm like, that's in the text? Absolutely. There's no indication, according to my study, that those have ended, that those have ceased. I'm not a cessationist. I am a charismatic by the grace of God. Hallelujah, right? I believe in the Spirit of God moving. His power is present here, working right now in our midst. I believe in all that. But I'll simply ask a question many times to that individual, and I'll simply ask them this. I want that too, but are we praying like the early church prayed? Are we praying like the early church prayed? Are we gathering together constantly like the early church did? Well, I don't want to do that. I don't show up for prayer meeting. That's I want to show Foxes on. I got to do that, so I got to tune in. Football game is later. On. I don't. I'm gonna pray. Sounds boring. I want to gather with God's people. I mean, I just wanted to do a miracle. Most of the time our answer is no, right? It's no. And th- this this past week, some of you were here at our 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 seek worship and prayer night. If you were here, raise your hand or shoot up a hand. Yeah, a lot of you. We had 80 people show up for a prayer meeting. Is that not awesome or what? It's amazing, right? 80 people showed up for a prayer meeting on Wednesday night here, and we worshiped, and we prayed, and we prayed through uh, a portion of Scripture, and and Sarah was here. She was leading worship, and Adam was here, and and James, and we have just a small little band. It's not overproduced. We don't have flashing lights. It's a super simple setup, and it's meant to be that way because we're not here for a show. We're not here to put on a production for you. We're here to pursue God, okay? We're here to pursue God and to pray and to seek Him in Prayer, And I want this to eventually be a a weekly thing. I want the church to have a weekly prayer meeting because I think God has called us. I believe God has called us to be a worshiping and praying church. And can I just say shout out to you young parents who brought your kids that night? Heck yeah, that's awesome. Can we clap our hands? They showed up in pajamas. Come on, someone. You haven't worshiped Jesus until you're in your pajamas worshiping Jesus. That's where it's at right there. The presence of God just falls, right, when you're in your pajamas. Amen. Come on. Somebody knows that. Somebody knows what I'm talking about tonight or today, right? And so, listen, uh, let me just say this really quick. We're a young church. we got a lot of kids, and can we just embrace that? we got to embrace it. That's an awesome thing. We want to thank the Lord for that. And we got kids running around during prayer meeting. we got mom and dad's leaving, coming in and out, and that's just who we are. That's, just, that's awesome, though, and we got to embrace that. And yes, bring kids to the prayer meetings, uh, we want them in the presence of God. But listen, can I just tell you this? Can I tell you that there has never been a move of God that was not first preceded by the people of God praying? There's never been a move of God that has not first preceded, that was not preceded by first the people of God praying. If you look at every revival in history, it did not just sort of come out of thin air. It started with a people Crying out in prayer. A people crying. God responds to the cries of his people. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says, the great prince of preachers. I love what he says here. He says this, well, you may try to do without prayer meetings if you like, but my solemn conviction is that as these decline, the spirit of God will depart from you. <laughs> And the preaching of the gospel will be of small account. I love Charles Spurgeon. He just does not mince his words. The Lord will have the prayers of his people to go with the proclamation of his gospel if it is to be the power of God unto salvation. And there is no change in this matter. In other words, the way it's been done in the New Testament is the way it's got to be done today. Since Paul's day, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever ever, from one of his sermons in 1894. The prayer meeting is is critical, and every time that we gather for these prayer meetings, I'm going to pray through a portion of scripture. It's going to be our main theme, and on Wednesday night, we prayed for renewal within the body of Christ, uh, Psalm 85. We prayed through Psalm 85. We spent several minutes praying through that corporately together, and we asked God, the, the, the scripture tells us there, God, will you not revive us again? And so we prayed for revival among us, just among the people of God. He's got to stir it up in our own hearts first if we're going to see revival. If we're going to see praise in the streets, we need to see prayer in his house, amen, right? We ask God to stir it up in our own hearts. Let me talk about prayer for just a few more moments here. When I was a younger Christian, um, when, I, when, when, I, when I thought about prayer, I'll be honest with you, I did not pray uh, very often, just to be honest with you. I did not pray. and And, and the reason why... I did not pray is because I had this very, very elevated view of the sovereignty of God. Now, that's a good thing, to have an elevated view of the sovereignty of God. And some, there's a camp, you know, some people in certain camps have a real giant view of the sovereignty of God. And I'm all for that. Like, I'm all for that. If you're not a a theology person, the sovereignty of God is simply referring to sort of the overarching reign and rule of God, that God rules, he reigns, he's in charge. And, And so often people... People will communicate this or acknowledge this by how. You know what, I, what Christians often say to me or, or say to one another? They'll say this God is in charge, or God is in control, right? And I'm like, yes and amen. Like, I believe that, and, and I'm with you. God is in control, and I'm all about the sovereignty of our Lord, of our Savior. But let me just remind you that God is looking to partner with us. I don't want you to fail to forget that part. Because so often the high sovereignty guys forget about the part where he wants to partner with us. So I want to remind you, God has chosen to partner with us in prayer. God has chosen to link himself to our prayers, which is crazy, which is incredible. Like, like, what? God would do that? That's amazing. In fact, James tells us that we have not because we don't ask for it. In other words, there's things that God's not going to do because we're simply not asking. And I used to be this guy with this elevated view of the sovereignty of God, which is not a bad thing, but you know what I said? Well, you know what? God's going to do what God's going to do, so I don't have to pray. That's not what we see in the New Testament, Maybe that's what your theology professor says, and maybe that's what your favorite preacher guy says. But that's not what we see in Scripture. What we see in Scripture is of people praying and crying out to God and God moving on their behalf. That's what we see, that God moves on on behalf of the prayers of his people. Jesus says, right, ask, seek, knock. In fact, in the Greek, the rendering of the Greek is a present active imperative. It simply means this. It actually is translated or could be translated as keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, to continue, to keep going, to keep going. In fact, in Luke, Luke's gospel tells us there's a parable there. I think it's Luke 17 or 18. I can't remember. You can look it up. Where it says that Jesus taught them this parable so that they should always pray and not give up. Isn't that amazing? To always pray and not give up. Yes, we should believe in the sovereignty of God. Yes, we should have a high view of the sovereignty of God. But let me just say it this way, church. The sovereignty of God should never diminish our responsibility to pray. Come on. The sovereignty of God should never diminish our responsibility as the people of God to pray. If you come up to me and you are looking for healing, if you, you're, you're, you're wanting God to move in your life, I'm not going to just say to you, hey, you know what? God's going to do what God's going to do, man. So good luck. What a jerk of a pastor, I'll tell you what. If you need healing in your body, I'm going to pray for you. It's not my job to heal. God heals. But it is my responsibility to pray. No matter what the result is, I'm supposed to go to him in prayer. And this is what we're supposed to do. Why? So just because... God is sovereign. It doesn't mean that we sit idly by, right? It doesn't mean that we sit idly by. No, we are called to be a people of prayer, a people of pray who pray because our prayers make a difference. Our prayers make a difference. And I understand some of you have been burned because there's some sections of the church that sort of abuse this, and they teach that you can demand things from God. God, give me the Tesla and the Mercedes-Benz, and you should get it that very day, right? And it should just come down from heaven in your driveway by the time you get home from church. And if it doesn't, it's a lack of faith. I know there have been abuses with that. But just because some of the church has abused that doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean that we should cease praying. It doesn't mean that we should cease praying. Let me just say this. The disciples placed themselves, listen, in a regular place of prayer. And because of that, it put them in a unique position to hear and be led by God. They placed themselves in a regular position of prayer, and therefore it put them in a unique position position to hear from god to be led by god's spirit and that is what god wants to do for each and every one of you listen corporately as the body but also individually listen and i understand that's a hard concept for some of you to to grasp or think of and i said this first service and i don't mean anything like mean by it i don't mean anything mean by it so please hear my heart my heart but i know the way Bay City is made up And then basically there's a lot of religious churches that are void of the Spirit of God. I know, that's going to probably hurt some feelings, but I said it anyways. And so for you, that's really hard because you're like, you simply, when you think of God, you think of a list of rules. You think of, okay, I believe in Jesus, I'm good to go. You think of a top ten list. You think of some rules, some laws. You think of, okay, this, this is what I'm supposed to believe, so I'm good now. But let me just tell you that God wants to lead you directly in your everyday life through the Holy Spirit. God wants, can I just tell you parents right now, parents, if you got young kids, old kids, uh, you know, middle-aged kids, whatever it is. Did you know that God wants to lead you in parenting your children? Come on, because does anybody need that? Man, I need the wisdom of God every day for my kids because they drive me bonkers sometimes, right? Right? Drive me crazy. I love them little critters, but, I, but they, they drive me crazy sometimes, right? I need the Holy Spirit to just say, chill out, Marco, right? The Holy Spirit wants to lead you in your relationship, that one relationship. It might be an unhealthy relationship. I don't know what it is for you. But the Holy Spirit wants to lead your, you in that romantic relationship, okay? And he's going to govern you. He's going to lead you by principles according to the Scripture, just so you know that, Okay? Scripture, okay? God wants to lead you in your financial decisions. You're, you're trying to figure out where you're going to invest your money. You're You're trying to figure out when to buy, when to sell, whatever it is. God wants to lead you in that. God wants to lead you in your career, in uh, uh, that career change that you're thinking about. The Spirit of God wants to speak to you if you'd open your heart to it, if you'd open yourself to it. And I I know this is so challenging for our context here in in Bay County. Uh, For so long, Bay County has been full of a lot of religious churches. And, And hear my heart. I'm not trying to be mean. You might think I'm being mean, but I'm not. But they're just void of the spirit of God. They're void of his presence moving in our hearts and in our lives. And God wants to lead you if you'd open up your heart to him, if you'd open up your mind to him. And I know this is hard for some of you to understand. But God wants to lead you by the power, by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life if you'll receive it. If you'll receive it. Yes, God wants the everyday, boring, mundane parts of your life if you'll give it to Him. I know some of you are praying for the sign in the sky. Some of you are praying that God would write it in the clouds, but God is saying, hey, why don't you open up the book? <laughs> why don't you open up the book, and I'll lead you. Why don't you get some wise counsel? Why don't you go to your pastor? Why don't you go to some of your elders at church? Why don't you begin to take the practical steps? Why don't you come up? In a few moments, prayer partners are going to come up. You can come up if you want, prayer partners. They're going to come up, and we want to pray with you. Why don't you come up and pray with a prayer partner? That could be your next step. Spirit of God wants to lead you today. And I simply want you to begin to open your hearts to that. Let's go ahead and close out. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you so much for your presence here with us. God, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your word, God. Your word is truth, God. Lord, so often, I'm guilty of this at times. We want want a sign in the sky. We want... You to give us this miraculous sort of encounter. God, those are good things, and we do want to ask for those. But so often, God, you lead us in the boring, mundane, practical next steps in our life. God, and that's where faith comes into play. God, so would you give us the faith today to take that next step in front of us? To make the phone call? I don't know who needs to hear that, but someone needs to hear that. To make the phone call. To, to apologize, Spirit of God. Laying that on my heart when someone needs to apologize this morning. It's that practical next step of sending the email, of looking online, of having the meeting, of seeing the counselor, of figuring out my budget, figuring out my diet, talking to a counselor. God, you know what those are. You know what those next steps are. And God, I pray that as you begin to reveal those things, or as your people begin to take those next steps, that God, you'd open up the next step for them. God, that you'd continually reveal your will to them, God. God, we love you. We thank you that your spirit, God, is longing to lead us, your spirit is longing to guide us, God. God, we thank you that Jesus is our good shepherd and according to your word, according to John 10, I believe, God, your sheep know your voice and they listen to you, God. And so, Lord, may we be your sheep who hear your voice and know your voice, God. God, move it in our hearts and move in our lives, God, move in our parenting, move in every single practical thing that we need, Lord. We thank you for it, God, and we pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Can we clap our hands for Jesus this morning, the work that he's doing?